everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse, and I'm Michelle. <laughs> and in honor of our new rebrand, where we are, you know, getting a little more personal, I'm going to share with you guys some stuff that happened this week. When we originally tried to record this episode, Michelle was texting me, and she's like, "Hey, can you meet up in like half an hour?" And I was like, "I'm sorry." My garage is flooding, so I can't talk right now. And I was sprinting around my house trying to find... I walked into my garage looking for something, stepped in water, and been like, water? <laughs> There's just water everywhere. And so I was sprinting around my house trying to find, like, waterproof shoes or sandals so I could go figure out where the leak was. Quickly learned I do not know where the shutoff valve for the water in our house is. We got it fixed. The good news is there was very little damage. Apparently, it, it was just a pipe that had broken during the freeze back and forth. But uh, nothing scares me like water and fire in terms of the damage they can do to things that I have not looked at in 15 years because they are in my garage. This was such a trip. Garages are so funny like that because there truly is stuff in there that I have not looked at in years. But the minute I think it's about to get destroyed, I am distraught over the thing (laughs) I cannot remember I've put in there. It's so true. No, truly the worst part about that is there was some stuff uh, that like belong to family members who are no longer with us and I was f- scared to death luckily like I said I think we had to toss a couple books and I'll have to keep looking around but it doesn't look like we lost anything significant um and luckily we have a friend who's a plumber who came and fixed it up for us yay but the stress of that made me cut bangs <laughs> no yeah Jesse has a spicy new haircut I got a, f- a fresh cut you gotta post a picture on stories what the kids so people are calling a wolf cut, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I think my hairdresser calls a, a shag bangs. And my hair is now like a dark, deep kind of purple. Um, it's what I like to call a plausible deniability haircut because from a distance, it kind of just looks like a deep brown or kind of close to a black. Uh, but up close, yeah. you can see the purple and it's a shag. So it wears kind of fun, kind of like a, a little punk haircut, but I can curl it out so it looks a little more uh, in finger quotes opera appropriate when I do auditions and stuff so Mm -hmm. I have plausible deniability about the acceptable uh the acceptability of this haircut but I love it it makes me very happy and I'll post a picture soon love it edgy but in an opera way (laughs) in an opera way in a I would still like to be hired kind of way yeah uh no it's super spicy I was fangirling when she sent me a picture so you'll have to you'll have to share uh, and then when we tried to record the next time, Michelle was on sick boyfriend duty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it, it happens. So <laughs> it's just been an odd week. Well, everything's been topsy-turvy, but here we are. We made it. Was it a bad case of man flu? Total man flu. But <laughs> Where it beyond them out. Classic case of the man flu. Um, but we made it. He's back at work. I'm back to a normal schedule. Before we jump into the episode, we just wanted to give a little announcement um, and another another way to get you guys on the Discord. We are planning a movie night coming up this month. So if you want to be a part of that conversation about what we're going to watch and want to be a part of the conversation of when we're going to watch, go ahead, join up on the Discord. That link is in our bio and in the description for the episode. And uh, we've got some pretty fun suggestions going so far, but we haven't made a decision yet. Yeah. So for anybody uh, new or maybe it's been a while since you've joined one of our movie nights, um, normally what we do is we'll pitch a couple ideas around a theme. Uh, We'll probably do something lovey-dovey for Valentine's Day. Everybody votes. 
and then we watch the one that everybody picked and it's really fun and i know we bring up the discord a lot and um if you're like what literally the heck is this discord that these people keep bringing up to me every tuesday um discord is like slack's like sexy cousin or something (laughs) like (laughs) it is a a chat-based uh app it's free to use and it allows us to do these types of streaming events and then be able to chat join on kind of like a zoom platform and it's really really fun and so we definitely urge you to join us for our movie night and just join us in general and chat with us there And we're very excited about today's episode. Obviously, we freakily enough have somehow already skipped through January and we're into February. Um, My brain is melting a little bit, but it is cause for celebration because we have Black History Month this month and we've kind of taken a lot of hiatuses over the past year. And so we really wanted to kind of hit the ground running strong. So this week we and this month we are celebrating um, Black History Month. And so we thought it would be good to do a Black History in the Making episode. So today we're going to be kind of focusing on people who have been influential to classical music as a whole genre, people who are working to support young artists, Black musicians who have influenced us and that we look up to and will pretty much be covering living people. So you can check them out and appreciate them uh, just like we do. Yeah, we thought it was time to start talking about the people who are, you know, making change here and now. To start us off, I want to talk a little bit about Black musicians who have influenced us. The One of the first opera singers I was ever actually exposed to was Jesse Norman. Oh. And that was because my high school choir director would play her all the time as inspiration for our alto section, which at that time I was an alto. Rip. But, uh... <laughs> Oh my gosh. But as like a very shy kid who loved theater, who loved music, but like could not for the life of her be vulnerable. <laughs> Love it. Watching Jesse Norman sing a song as simple as he's got the whole world in his hands and just lay it all out there. It really made me want to be a musician. It made me want to be open and vulnerable and exuberant like she was on the stage and also you know the little kid thing of just loving somebody who shares your name (laughs) yeah true oh wow I didn't even put that together yeah oh my gosh and just being in awe like I know this sounds kind of nutty but like just being in awe of how much space she could create like she just had this booming gorgeous sound and I wanted nothing more than to sound just like her yeah yeah. She is so emotive. Yeah, and like I said, taking just such simple songs and doing them so, so well. Um, and it, it changed how I felt about being an alto. Because, like, you know, when you're in choir and everything, alto is kind of like, <laughs> when you're young, it feels like a really crappy position because you never get the melody. Mm-hmm. And so watching this person whose voice was just undeniable and gorgeous and low, um, it changed how I felt about the music I was making. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, Jesse Norman. What a, what a national treasure. For me, I would definitely say it's twofold. On the pop side of things, my girl Whitney Houston, ugh, oh, has wow. shaped me in very funny ways. Um, but I love her music. I have not gotten a chance to see the new movie that just came out about her. Have you? I have not. My parents went and saw it and they they said it was really sad, which I would kind of think based off of the way things happen in the end of her life. But 
I, this is so random, but I, uh, I was on Twitter and somebody started this thread that was like, share, share a video of what you would consider a perfect musical performance, which I thought was so fun. Like what a great topic. Oh, wow. So I immediately scrolled and was like, the first thing that came to my mind was Whitney Houston's national anthem. Mm hmm. And it's, uh, I watched the video, and of course, it was like the third thing that somebody posted. So I was like, okay, I'm glad that all Excellent. these people Somebody's know Somebody's got it covered. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't have to post it myself. The people already know. And everybody's like losing their minds. But I also always think that it's funny to think that Whitney Houston is related to Leontine Price. And oh? Leontine Price. Yeah. Did you not know that? No. They're cousins. Oh, my gosh. It makes Leontine, sense. Right? <laughs> Lantine Price, I think, is Whitney's mom's cousin. So they're like, I don't know. I get it. I don't we know. We don't what have that to means. try and tree this. <laughs> yeah. But they're related, which to me just makes so much sense. And I remember listening to Lantine Price. I think the first time that I actually really like put together who she was was in grad school. Um, and I feel like for those of you who don't know the full backstory of Lantine Price, sometimes you can see those quotes that she's kind of spoken in the course of her life and some of them have real diva energy and I don't know if I was totally vibing with that but then in grad school I took a like um like the history of like famous opera singers which was a really fun course and our teacher like literally had the biggest like fan crush on Leontine Price so we spent like several classes learning the deep dive about her and she she's a bad bitch <laughs> she is like she is yes just, like i look at these quotes and i'm like i'm a person who doesn't like to take up a ton of space and so i think that that's why some of the quotes that you'll hear about like you know my voice is like the, a gift to the world and even i'm amazed by the sound and be beauty of my voice like stuff like that you're like oi diva energy but honestly like i love that because i feel like if you're confident in your ability and confident in what you have and what you're able to do and the hard work that you put in, like, yeah. I We're bringing it. back shameless self-confidence in 2023. I All need, right? like, a heaping dose of that. And so I look to Leontine Price when I'm feeling like I don't deserve to take up space. And then remember that uh, I very much do. And if she can, then, then it's okay. It's like that trend where it's like, mama said that it was okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Oh. So that's my shout out to Whitney Houston and Leontine Price. Very, very true. So let's start talking about our our living Black musicians who are huge inspirations to us. And I'm very excited to start this off with tenor, composer, and all-around really great friend, Jens Ibsen. Woo! So Jens has been on the podcast, and we're hoping actually to get him on the podcast again soon for you guys. And just to give you like a quick highlight reel of some stuff Jens has done in recent years, uh, he's done some commissions for the Oregon Bach Festival Composer Symposium, Mary Pickford Foundation, and was a finalist in Beth Morrison Project's Next Gen Competition. More recently, he premiered Why Won't You Let Me Look Right At You for the 2022 Sao Paulo Contemporary Composers Festival and Pretty Girl for the Kennedy Center's Cartography Project. And most, most recently, he premiered his 20-minute opera, Bubby and the Demon, which was written with librettist Cecilia Raker for Washington National Opera's American Opera Initiative. So I talked a little bit about this last week, but Bubby and the Demon is the funniest opera I've ever seen. I love that. I have never laughed out loud so many times while watching an opera, and it absolutely killed 
in that crowd. It was so good. It's so funny. And it's so well written. And there's tons of little like musical trivia in it that I could give you. All you really need to know is like it was very inspiring to watch and I have never been so overjoyed to to to, to be at an opera performance. We love to see it. Upcoming this year, Jens uh, also won San Francisco Conservatory's Emerging Black Composers Project. So he's going to be doing a commission for San Francisco Symphony and that's going to premiere um, in November. So he's got this huge slate of amazing projects that he's recently done and that are upcoming. Um but that's not why Jens is on this list. He is absolutely a- an excellent singer and just an inspiring composer, but that's not why Jens is here. Jens is one composer who just makes me so hopeful about the future of opera and classical music. And part of that is that Jens's music and his stories are so well-layered in meaning, in text, in context, but they're also just so viscerally enjoyable which is something that often I find lacking <laughs> in a lot of new music, is just the immediate mm-hmm. feeling of, I love this. Mm-hmm. Jens has a really interesting musical background because he's got his heritage from Ghana, uh, his childhood spent in the Vienna Boys Choir, the like sheer amount of diaspora music he's come into contact having grown up in the Bay Area. Like There's so much going on there, but Jens has never stopped seeking out new music. Like, I know he loves Japanese metal and all of these different little niche parts of music. And he absorbs all of those things and holistically will take all those styles and use them in different ways in his own music. And it's so cohesive. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is like, this is just this type of opera or this is an opera that's pulling from popular music and you can tell. Like, it's all integrated in this really interesting way that is a part of the telling of the stories that he's trying to make. And I think that's really, really hard to do. I think that's such a rare skill where it's not just outright one singular style that's been integrated. Yeah, Jens is totally a best, like, a sponge in the best, in the best way of just being able to absorb and take the best of a lot of different types of styles and mesh it together in a way that's artistic and effective. Yeah, it's it's not just summarizing it in your own words. Jens has absorbed that information and is creating his own music out of that knowledge. It's not a it's not parroting. <laughs> the one thing that I've just always admired about Jens is that he has a really self-assured sense of confidence. And he has as long as I've known him. And it doesn't mean that he never gets nervous or never feels the pain of rejection letters and things like that. He most certainly does. He is human. <laughs> But Jens has always believed in his abilities as an artist. And it was something that when I was more insecure and I was more new to music, really annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> I love you, Jens. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but as I got older and I learned how to appreciate it, I realized that that was something that is so necessary and vital if you're going to survive as an artist. Because if you don't believe in you, who else would? Yeah. I came around to realize that that, And not only that, that it is a skill. It's something you have to build in yourself. It is something you practice. But at the end of the day, I can sum it up by saying Jens' work and his work ethic and the way he collaborates with people, it makes me want to make more and better art. And that is the highest compliment that I could give to anybody, is that you make me want to make art. And I think his work is going to change the landscape of classical music in, you know, the years to come. I think he's going to create 
amazing projects that will reach far outside of the typical sphere that opera and classical music does. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Go Yenzi. Go Yens. We are so freaking pumped. We just saw a video <laughs> of, of Yens getting name dropped, like right next to uh, Terry Riley. And it was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And we sent it to him. Yeah, I was fangirling for sure. For oh. sure. Yeah, we love Jens. Next up on the list is, I, I definitely think when I think about music history and black history and the making in music, somebody that definitely comes to mind is American soprano Karen Slack. I feel like at this point in her career, a lot of people are aware of her. But in case you're not, she is a huge advocate for young artists. And to me, is one of those people that is the definition of an entrepreneur in the arts. And, you know, we can sing her praises. Obviously, she is an incredible soprano. She sung at the Met, Lyric Opera of Chicago, Washington National, San Francisco, Houston Grand, pretty much all the big ones. I'm waiting for her to come to LA Opera because that's one of the few <gasps> that she hasn't been to yet. So, Karen, <laughs> come to LA Opera so I can come see you. Um, but, you know, she's sung all over the place in the top houses here and far so I feel like it goes without saying that she's a wonderful singer but what I think is so interesting is the way that she spends her time outside of just being um, a musician and you know she's the winner of the 2022 Sphinx Medal of Excellence she's an artistic advisor for Portland Opera she's the co-chair of the Women's Opera Network with Opera America she serves on the board of American Composers Orchestra like she she works with National Sawdust like she has a hand in a lot of different things and I think one of the things that a lot of people will be familiar with and excited about is you know back in April 2020 she started her Facebook live talk show which is hashtag Kiki Conversations um, and that was really cool because when the pandemic was happening like obviously Jesse, you and I were, were in the midst of launching this podcast and a lot of other people followed suit. And I think that that was just such a great thing to come out of COVID. And the Kiki Conversations was definitely one of those early spaces that opened up an opportunity for artists and industry leaders to connect and talk about the industry and, you know, lament everything that happened with COVID and talk about the future and, and all the change that could happen. And it's pretty cool. She had a lot of really great conversations with people like Stephanie Blythe, Russell Thomas, Terrence Blanchard, the editor-in-chief of Opera News, um, and then also, you know, brought in other rising voices, like I know somebody that you'll mention later, Janae Bridges and John Holiday. And um, it was funny, when I was scrolling back through all the episodes, I, I found one with uh, our friend of the podcast, Justin Werner from oh Stratagem gosh. Artists. And I was like, there's a familiar face. Um, so... I think it's always been important to me and I always like laugh because I'm always a person who brings up social media and like all these different platforms. But I think that it, when it's used in this way, it is so effective. And I think that it's something that still is underutilized in the opera space. I think we're just kind of starting to like really get to that point where we're embracing social media and the way that it could help our industry. Um, and so people like Karen Slack like really inspire me and in, in all the ways that she is a musical artist. She 
is creating these opportunities through Kiki Conversations. She is, you know, on the board of all of these wonderful different projects and organizations. And that to me is just so freaking cool because we as artists cannot be in the like we cannot be passive. We have to be active participants and active influencers in our own industry. And I've, to me, Karen Slack is definitely one of those people that is out there fighting the fight. Absolutely. I mean, she. it is so easy to just be a passive participant in the larger classical music industry. So it is always inspiring to see someone who goes above and beyond to be a part of the decision-making parts of our field. Yeah. And not only that, totally. it's so easy to look at like a Facebook live show or an Instagram live show and be like, okay, well, you know, a lot of people do that. Not in our industry, they don't. And some people do it very poorly. <laughs> so to take the <laughs> yeah. time to do it so well um, and to to put together a good show, it's impressive, especially considering her schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because exactly. she is out and about performing. Side note, if you haven't, you should totally check out Karen's website because um, I have like a little like nerd moment every time I <laughs> happen upon her website because she just has the best branding and is so effortly, effortlessly fabulous. <laughs> I, I can't even speak. I'm so stunned by her. <laughs> effortlessly. <laughs> effortlessly fabulous. Um, yeah, it's 10 out of 10. Go check it out. So the next person I'd like to put forward is... Janae Bridges, who is an incredible mezzo-soprano. Uh, she sung with Arena di Verona, Canadian Opera Company, the Dutch National Opera, Lyric Opera of Chicago, and she just made her Seattle Opera debut as well. Um, so she's booked. <laughs> she is um, booked. But she's also an incredible advocate for the accessibility of opera. And one of like the key moments in that history is back in 2020, shortly after George Floyd uh, was killed by police, she was asked to sing at LA Opera to give a recital. And she spoke to them and said, I am not in the emotional or mental headspace to to do a recital right now. Um, but she did ask if LA Opera would host a panel on racism and the inequality uh, in opera. And they agreed. So in May 2020, she hosted basically an hour and a half long panel that she moderated with herself, Julia Bullock, Lawrence Brownlee, Russell Thomas, Karen Slack, and Morris Robinson. And I think for a lot of people, it was a real eye-opening conversation how even at the highest level, there is still so much racism and disrespect in our industry. Mm -hmm. There are still so many micro and macro aggressions that happen every single day, no matter how high up you get. And if you haven't seen it, I will link it. <laughs> um, and I, I think everybody should watch it. And I think that's actually a really, she made a really brave decision. When a, when a group as large as LA Opera comes to you and asks you to do something, you say, I have a counter offer. I have a counter offer because I think this is more valuable to the conversation than a recital. It takes a lot of guts. So much. Yeah. At any point in your career, it takes a lot of guts to say, I need you to do this. It's also like a beautiful like testament to her self-awareness, you know, and like her her being able to tune in to how she's feeling mentally and emotionally and then be able to stand in a place of power and be like, I know you want me to do this, but I think that this would better serve 
Like, that's just awesome. She has some incredible interviews where she talks about the way that her parents instilled in her this pride and sense of self and this ability to take up that space to ask for the things that she knows are right. And I encourage you all to go read those interviews. And it's something we've talked about a couple times throughout this thing. But, you know, it's a carefully practiced skill. And she pulls it off so beautifully. And she continues to talk about norms that keep people out of opera. Just the other month, she was talking with, uh, I believe, Opera Wire, or just on social media, and Opera Wire covered it. But she was talking about the fact that she still gives a gigantic cut of her paycheck over to housing. As a person who is higher up in opera, who is, you know, making premieres at the largest U.S. opera houses, she still doesn't get her housing covered. And it just cuts your paycheck in half. I mean, covering three months of an Airbnb, short-term housing is insane. And it's something that would be so easy to not talk about. It'd be so easy to not put the opera houses on the spot and say, why aren't you paying for housing? Why don't you have a system that allows housing? Why aren't sponsorships available for housing? It would be so easy to just let that go because you're achieving success, you're doing well. You don't have to have that conversation. Not publicly, at least. But she does, and she lays it out because she knows it matters for the people who will come after her. And that, that's, it's, it takes a ton of guts. She's an advocate for inclusivity on every level, and she is also putting herself on the line to have these conversations about what she knows is right. Stuff that may, she may never get to experience, she is laying the groundwork for. And, and I think people like that should always be honored. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. She's definitely become like a key figurehead in a lot of the discussions that have happened over um, the last couple of years, whether it be about inequality, inequity, um, or just like, you know, the ins and outs of choosing to have this career and choosing to be in this industry. And I think it takes a special kind of person, like you said, to open yourself up to that kind of dialogue. Because I think when you start to reach the level of success that somebody like Janae Bridges, like Karen Slack, the kind of success and status that they have within the industry, like, yeah, you're not really obligated to share your financials with people to the public. You know what I mean? But they do because they know that it helps others. And I just think that that is so commendable. Yeah. I mean, just like Karen Slack, she, you know, she's also discussing the fact that more people need, there needs to be more diversity, not just at the performer level, but at the director level and about at the board level and you know, at the decision-making levels of the art form. Um, And she's certainly out here not letting the opera industry happen to her. She's happening to it. And that is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Janae Bridges did a thing with the Hollywood Bowl a couple years ago when I was kicking myself that I didn't go and see it. I just got to see everything that ever happens. I wish I could clone myself. (laughs) Just put myself on a plane to see all these cool things. Also, as you were talking about Karen Slack's website, like, Janae Bridges is also a person whose headshots are just unbelievable. That headshot of her in, like, that deep yellow, that kind of gold. Oh, stunning. Oh, it, every time I see it, I'm like, yes. All right, and my last person that I just wanted to give a little shout out to um, that's very timely is uh, conductor Jonathan Hayward. Uh, He is somebody that has been in the news a lot lately. Um, So I think pretty much most people kind of have him you know, in their peripherals. And he currently serves as the music director of the Baltimore Symphony. And his he'll start his five-year contract with them in the 2023-2024 season, uh, which is crazy. That's, 
that's this year. Wow. Christra, so there was a ton of press that came out about him being appointed. It was a totally unanimous decision when they were looking to fill that um, position. And I think the thing that makes me really excited about Jonathan in particular is he he's so young. Yeah. You know, he's like 29, 30. And that's crazy, especially when you think about being a conductor as a young person of color being in charge of a major U.S. orchestra. That is like the most amazing accomplishment. And um, <laughs> being being the first. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. And it, it, I, I think the thing that, that makes me really excited is I think um, something that has been a topic of our discussion and, and definitely a bigger topic of discussion within our industry is um, young artists don't always get treated very well. Uh, you know, we a couple episodes ago, we had our gossip episode where we were looking at that um, Opera America chain of emails that was totally throwing young artists under the bus. And so sometimes I feel like we often feel like we're in we're not in a place of power. And so the thing that I find so amazing about Jonathan is he I think him being so young, him being a person of color, I think will really open the door and help broaden a lot of people's minds in those higher up positions to, you know, be more accepting of what young musicians have to offer. And that makes me super excited. Other thing that we love about Jonathan is he's a Boston Conservatory alum. So all snap. (laughs) He also studied with Andrew Altenbach. Um, My boyfriend took lessons from him. He's a really great guy. And um, it's just really awesome to see you know, him succeeding and and continuing to forge this path. And I really just kind of hope that the landscape of especially conductors changes because we need some younger people. We need some people who are not just white and old. And so I'm I'm just really excited about the change that he's bringing. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting to see his first season. Mm -hmm. He's a great um, programmer. He uh, he's very inventive. Um, so I have no doubt that he's going to do really, really fun things with um, Baltimore. And those are just a, a couple of people in a sea of incredible artists doing work that will change our industry. And if you have somebody you want to celebrate, please send it to us. Get on our Discord, message us on Instagram, um, because we'll be hide- highlighting other Black artists all through the month. I think that's the tricky thing when we do one of these celebratory episodes. It's like there's just never enough time for us to cover a gazillion people that deserve to be on this list. Oh, yeah. We could have um, done but- four hours on here and we wouldn't have even begun to cover how many incredible artists there are out there. Yeah. But here are just like a couple that have um, resonated with us. And, you know, I, I find it funny because I think uh, now in, in opera programming, Black History Month has just become Florence Price Month. Not to take away from her amazing legacy, but there are also so many other people that we can also celebrate, which was kind of the inspiration for this episode. So uh, we just have immense respect and admiration for the people that we mentioned. And yeah, send us your people. We'll be sharing people all week in stories. And so send uh, your the people that inspire you our way. Like we said, you can find us on Instagram, you can find our website, opera-offstage.com, and you can always join us on Discord, where we have some really fun and ongoing conversations about the opera industry and the great and terrible things that happen in it. (laughs) Yep. Join us next week. We're going to be doing a little uh, love-based episode for Valentine's Day, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.